0: And turning your Bible to Jeremiah twenty six, the first fifteen verses. Jeremiah 26. Again, this is God's word. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, came this word from the Lord, saying, Thus saith the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house, and speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house, all the words that I command thee to speak unto them. Diminish not a word. If so be, they will hearken and turn every man from his evil way, that I may repent me of the evil which I purpose to do unto them because of the evil of their doings. And thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith the Lord, If ye will not hearken to me, to walk in my law which I have set before you to hearken to the words of my servants the prophets whom I sent unto you both rising up early and sending them which ye have not hearkened then will I make this house like Shiloh and will make this city a curse to all the nations of the earth so the priests and the prophets and all the people heard Jeremiah speaking these words in the house of the Lord now it came to pass when Jeremiah had made an end of speaking all that the Lord had commanded him to speak unto all the people that the priests and the prophets and all the people took him saying thou shalt surely die why hast thou prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate, without an inhabitant? And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah in the house of the Lord. When the princes of Judah heard these things, and they came up from the king's house into the house of the Lord, and sat down in the entry of the new gate of the Lord's house. Then spake the priests and the prophets unto the princes and to all the people, saying, This man is worthy to die, for he hath prophesied against this city, as ye have heard with your ears. Then spake Jeremiah unto all the princes and to all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against this city all the words that ye have heard. Therefore now amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will repent him of the evil that he hath pronounced against you. As for me, behold, I am in your hand. Do with me as seemeth good and meet unto you. But know ye for certain that if ye put me to death, ye shall surely bring innocent blood upon yourselves and upon this city and upon the inhabitants thereof. For of a truth the Lord hath sent me unto you to speak all these words in your ears Amen God's word Brethren and friends I want to speak to you about an experience that I trust that you've had uh, in some, some way I want to speak to you about something that's currently dear to me personally and also more than that an issue that is important itself in the Christian life and is also important just merely for the fact that you will have this experience and and I, I want to talk to you about courage I don't want to talk to you about the courage that it takes for uh, someone to to become a special operator in our our, uh, armed forces or to jump out of an airplane skydiving or to you know climb a wall or something protect your family from a burglar you know unbelievers do those things I want to speak to you about spiritual courage a much-needed grace for God's people. I'm not going to give an exposition of this, these, these verses, and I want you to know that. That's important. There's, there's things here that, that could be preached uh, another day, but I want to focus your thoughts for a moment on a man. And I want you to see Jeremiah. I want you to see him as a Christian under the commands of God to do something. you're, You're here and many of you, I trust, know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you're a Christian and you're a businessman or you're a housewife. Or you're a teenager, and you go to school, and you're not around. Um, not everyone's a Christian there. We're not prophet. We're not a prophet. We're we're not. No one here, including myself, is an Old Testament prophet, and yet we are here. <clears throat> so I want you to see a couple of things. You, I believe, you have the bulletin. There's three points. First, and they kind of build, Uh, that's my intention at least, they kind of build build on each other. First, I want you to see the circumstances of spiritual courage, or or you could just say the circumstance of spiritual courage. When spiritual courage is, is needed, and that is this, it's very simple. It's when duty collides with difficulty. That's a good thing to get your mind around. It's when duty collides with difficulty. I don't want to belittle anyone here in your situation, but if I, would, I would suggest to you that it doesn't take a lot of courage to come here. You're welcome here. You can be a Muslim here, and you're welcome here. We're glad that you're here. Um, if you're not a Christian and your parents are Christians, You know, it's not, it doesn't take a lot of courage to come here. We're going to give you food. You're commanded to be here. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. It is your duty before God to worship God on this day. It's your duty. However, there are are situations when. The duty that God has put upon you comes with difficulties. Notice some of the difficulties here. Okay, It's plain from the reading that Jeremiah is a prophet. He's been commanded. It's his duty to go street preach in Jerusalem. It seems to be a feast day and the people are walking in to the temple to the courts and he's going to stand in the courts the Lord's house and he's going to give a message that's not popular to a people that are are hostile to him I'm I don't plan on preaching anything today that's very controversial at all and I sense warmth from you that's not Jeremiah's situation Notice a couple of particulars. Here's his duty, but notice some of the circumstances. Verse 1, we have, and I'm going off the theme of experience. In Jeremiah's mind, verse 1 tells us he's uncertain of support. Verse 1, in the beginning, the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah. Well, Josiah was a good king. He was, we read the story of Josiah and we're warmed by that. Praise God for Josiah. Jehoiakim. It's different. And here's Jeremiah. What's going to happen to me? He must be thinking. Is, am I going to be supported? Some of you face that similar thing at work. There's a policy that's coming up. There's another Christian in your, in your group at work but you're not really sure if there's any others you want to say something you're not sure if you're going to have support it's difficult there's a couple other things here notice notice that Jeremiah is outnumbered it's a very simple thing look at verse 9 why hast thou prophesied in the name of the Lord, saying, This house shall be like Shiloh, and this city shall be desolate without an inhabitant? And all the people were gathered against Jeremiah. All the people. I wonder, I wonder what Jeremiah was thinking. Now, if you know the chapter, verse twenty-six. Um, sorry, 24, we read, Nevertheless, the hand of... Uh, Ahikam the son of Shaphan was with Jeremiah they should not give him the hand of the people to put him to death but it's not without coincidence it's not without purpose that we we read about this at the very end we ought to realize that Jeremiah is outnumbered he's all alone He's, he's alone now he's not really alone right the Lord is with him but, but he is physically alone have you ever been in a conversation and there's, there, there are people jawjacking. there's people carrying on and, they, and they, they throw out a crude joke everyone's laughing and what's your temptation? Your flesh identifies with the joke and you start to smile. Or maybe you don't. Maybe you you sense the Lord's presence and even though you're outnumbered, you don't laugh. And you stand as a quiet witness against immorality. That's hard to do. Are you aware of the situations in your life? where God has a a, a duty upon you, and yet the difficulty of being outnumbered comes into your midst. Work. Listen, young people, peer pressure. That's all that peer pressure is. It's all that it is. I hope that thus far in the message you would just be made aware that Christ is watching you and that you're not alone. You're outnumbered. It's difficult. It's a circumstance. It's difficult. Notice verse 9 again. Just a subtle point here. The difficulty of slander. Jeremiah's message wasn't Jonah's message in Nineveh. Which even they rightly deduced was partly gospel. Why would God send a prophet to Nineveh to warn them if there wasn't a hope. Jeremiah has hope in his message. If you hearken not, I will make this house like Shiloh. But if you if you do listen, it won't. And they just say this This house shall be like Shiloh. You're saying that this house is just gonna be like Shiloh, and the city shall be desolate without an inhabitant. They're slandering him. They're skewing his words. So you're a Christian around friends, maybe you're a new Christian here and you've been accused you know of being an extremist. you don't love other people you say other people are wrong. you say Jesus is the only way which is true but you know you're ugly about it or something or maybe better. you know you, you uphold the standards of God's word and worship in your life privately and other Christians say you're a legalist. you, you don't let your kids, Um, recreate on the Sabbath day? How mean are you? You're you're a legalist. Have you ever been slandered? You know, these these, these catchphrases, racism, legalism, it means whatever people want it to mean. You can be slandered. It's difficult, isn't it? Notice, of course, the physical threat that's the that's the chief one, isn't it? Has anyone ever? And this is you know here, um, you're, you're worthy to die. This man's worthy to die. Into verse eight, thou shalt surely die. Before the princes, the priests, and the prophets say, this man is worthy to die. We're coming to you, so that you could kill him because you have the sword, right? You have the power of the sword. That's a whole nother train of thought that I'm not going to bring up. That could be brought up here, but. Have you ever been threatened? Maybe it wasn't even for, for being a Christian. I was speaking to a man Friday who had a, a gun pointed right to his head. <clears throat> it wasn't for being a Christian. But here's the thing. I would be willing to, to think that, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but no one here, has ever been legitimately threatened to die because of your faith in Jesus Christ. We live in a world that's very pluralistic. But have you ever been threatened um, to lose your reputation? You know, if you say something in, at work or in your family, you, you might not be well-liked. You might have to lose favor. You don't, you're not losing your life but you're losing favor with men. I know a, a lady. She's very dear to me. She's the an RPC name. And she, she was convicted that she could no longer sell certain paraphernalia in her company because it was articles of clothing that were encouraging you know, directly um, sinful things. She told her boss that she'd worked for this company for a long time, thinking that she might be able to just, you know, kind of move to another part of the company. She was let off, fired, on the spot. Loss of her job. She was needing that money. Money's important. Some of you are thinking about, I need money, and I don't know if I'm faithful to God in my situation as a lawyer, as a doctor, or as a whatever. I could lose my job. That's a more practical thing for you. But if duty's there... It doesn't matter what the difficulty is. I'm just bringing the difficulty up to you. You need to read this and see you here. The circumstance of spiritual courage. But it'd be more useful to now look at this point the source of spiritual courage. I want you to see that. Verses 12 and verse 15. So you're with me. You know you need spiritual courage. Where are you going to get it? You want to be faithful to the Lord. Well, first, the source of spiritual courage is a deep sense of divine approval. I'm speaking to you from an experiential perspective. I think it's important to just push pause here and say, from another perspective... The source of spiritual courage is the Lord Jesus Christ giving us his spirit. And that's important to mention because we, we need the Holy Spirit. We don't trust in ourselves. <clears throat> but from a day-to-day practical perspective, I want to say to you that the source of spiritual courage is a deep sense of divine approval. We see that generally in verse 12. Then spake Jeremiah unto all the princes and to all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy. You see, Jeremiah knows that he has been called by God to be a prophet. He's been equipped by God to be a prophet. And that he's been told by God to do it now in this manner For this reason, in this way, with these words, in the temple, in the in the the courts of the Lord's house, notice verse fifteen. And this is where you want to go, brethren: the deep sense. Because if you're really in the fire, and you've got a lot of skin in the game, to use the expression, you want to have deep, deep sense. That God is smiling upon you. Look at verse 15. But know ye for certain that if ye put me to death, ye shall surely bring innocent blood upon yourselves, upon the city. For of a truth the Lord hath sent me. of a truth <laughs> Jeremiah is alone but it's as if he's God is looking down upon him and God is smiling upon him and he knows he's not going to diminish a word he's going to say again in verse 13 while he's on the hot seat amend your ways second time He's going to give the message a second time. Amend your ways and your doings and obey the voice of the Lord, your God. Now, so the question at this point, in my work as a preacher and and to to the degree that preaching is pastoring, it's important for me to to tell you how you can know God's will, isn't it? Because you're not a prophet and you ought not to expect a verbal communication of God to you. We have in our bulletin, um, if you look at your uh, <clears throat> your bulletin just reminding you of, of our, the teaching of our church that uh, God has committed his will to writing which maketh the holy scripture to be most necessary those former ways of God's revealing his will unto his people being now ceased <clears throat> so um, you, you need to be con- convinced that Scriptures where you get this uh, certainty. Okay, it's very interesting. Um, there's a section in the Gospel of Luke, I believe it's chapter 16, is I think it's a parable, and uh, a man's in, in, in hell basically, and he's looking at Abraham, I believe, and he says, you know, if you send, if you send um, someone from the dead to warn my family, they'll believe. And there we're told that they have Moses and the prophets. What does that mean? Not physically Moses and Jeremiah and Isaiah. They have the Bible. The Bible. They they are bound to, to read the Bible, to know these things. Even Isaiah chapter 8, verse 20. During a time of, we could say, special revelation, he said to the law and to the prophets. If these prophets don't have light in them, you're going to know it by going to the law and to the prophets. The Bible. The Old Testament. So do you know that? That's my my first application here under the second point. You've got to be convinced of that. I, I, I think that some Christians really aren't. And I, I hear Christians talk about, you know, why do you feel like the Lord's moving me to do this? And I think sometimes people say that, God's people say that, and, and they mean that they've prayerfully considered their circumstances in the light of God's word, but it's kind of sloppy. Other times, I think it's demonic influence upon their life. It really is. They're just going with emotion. They're not acting upon God's word. So do you know that? You're in a specific situation right now and you need light. You need divine approval. You're going to get that not by a word from the clouds, from the Bible. So what you're going to do is you're going to open your Bible and you're going to be committed to reading the Bible and you're going to be committed to searching the scriptures. Acts 17.11 referring to the God's people in Berea, the Jews synagogue there these were more noble than those in Thessalonica and they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so so here I am visiting preacher and I'm, I'm, I'm saying to you that you need to read your Bible it's very basic do so daily search the scriptures daily do so diligently they searched the scriptures word studies meditation reflection reading the bible theologically right they did so critically what do I mean by that whether those things were so. They're, they're, they're hearing preaching. And they're like, yeah, let's see. Huh. you know. <clears throat> There's a lot of bad preaching in this world. <clears throat> my sheep hear my voice, Christ says. Read the Bible. It's going to make your sermons from Reverend Prakash Pallon even better, more, new, more useful. So that's what you're going to do. You need light. Some of you right now can see a a date on your calendar there's an event in your future where you're going to need spiritual courage and you're doing this you need to read the bible you need to know that the principle is at stake the third thing you need to do is you need to pray pray James chapter 1 if any man lacks wisdom yes go to the bible and read the bible if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally. What a blessing. <clears throat> when you pray, <clears throat> you pour out your complaint to God, and you, and you expose your heart. And the Spirit of God, it's hard to pray to Almighty God in hypocrisy, with sinful motives. And so your, your prayer starts to purify your heart. It's a sanctifying thing. <clears throat> so you Pray. Some of you need to fast. Should I marry this person? Should I go to this place? Should I send that email? Should I make this stand at work or at school? And you ought to fast. Have you neglected that? We're talking about more kind of, there's a thing on the wall, there's, there's, a, there's a, you know, I'm going to go to my, my family in Wisconsin for the holidays. And I'm going to be speaking to unbelievers in my family and I need to speak to them I'm going to fast for that Esther did it <clears throat> Esther did it <clears throat> three days three nights I believe she fasted she sought God's will she was seeking to discern providence maybe God's calling me to do this I need to seek the Lord part of fasting is is, the, is to draw near to Christ and to, to be near Him and to know that this is this is the right thing. That's part of the purpose of fasting. We were told that in the Gospels that my disciples don't fast because I'm here. There's going to come a time where they will fast because I'm, 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 I'm in heaven. And they're going to need, need me to come to them as it were. Fast. One other thing that I'll mention because it's very critical that we know that we're doing the right thing and that we have a deep deep sense divine approval there's a proverb and I must have mistyped my notes but I'll just say this that seek counsel okay wise counsel so you may not know everything that the bible says about your situation but your elders can show you, and so you seek counsel for them. You seek counsel from your parents, other godly people in the congregation, and you're listening to the word of God. You're not going to trust them implicitly. Okay, that's important. Um, I I have nothing to say to you unless it's based upon God's word, whether it be behind this pulpit or if y'all want to talk to me later today about something. Right, and so do that. <clears throat> Now, before I move on to my third point, um, there's, like, like lots of things uh, in the Christian life, there's two ditches here. There's two ditches. I'm talking about the source of spiritual courage being a deep sense of divine approval. On one hand, you can be lazy in, in finding God's will and you can be nebulous and wishy washy and lukewarm about lots of things uh, Halloween you know ah, uh, I will just kind of go with the flow i 'm not talking about Halloween in detail i 'm just getting you to think, but maybe you should think about what does the Bible say about Halloween? It takes effort you don 't want to be ignorant friends on the other on the other side is there's a zeal without knowledge there's lots of religious zeal outside of the Christian faith inside of the Christian faith in my mind just personally in my walk with the Lord a premier example of that is street preachers street preaching is fantastic I'm so glad you'll do that by the way I want to encourage you to do that Um, be a part of that But there's some bad street preachers. It's a zeal without knowledge. It's destructive. You want you want to be in the middle there. You want to be informed and zealous and strong. And that comes from knowing God's word. One other thought about this is I encourage you to have kind of like two types, well, at least there's two types of ways to studying the Bible there's probably more, but you have kind of like a long-term approach where you're just kind of going through the Bible. You know, you're, you're, you're learning more. It's, 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 you know, five years ago, you didn't know as much as you know now. And it's not in-depth study. It's not like because you've, you know, you've read some theology books or anything. You just continue to read the Bible. And then there's that other type of study where like I have an issue right now I need to know. And I want to learn about that. Okay. Well, I want to speak to you, thirdly, about the key to spiritual courage. In some sense, the key to spiritual courage is knowing the truth. But, brethren, I actually want to talk to you about this point. This is the thing that I want to talk to you about. It's the key. I'm going to call it. I'm going to call it the key to spiritual courage. You know, Jeremiah. Again, I'm, this is not an exposition, okay? I'm just I'm giving you some exhortations some hopefully some helpful thoughts from the text, of course, but <clears throat> Jeremiah, here's the question. Is Jeremiah getting on well? <clears throat> uh, Judges chapter four, Deborah and Barak, I think that's how you say his name. You know, Barak is faithful to his call to be a judge. But he doesn't really get on real well, if you recall the story. He, 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 he's afraid. And he, has, he demands Deborah to come with him. And because of that, he doesn't receive as much honor, and a woman kills the enemy of God. He's faithful, but he's not getting on well. <clears throat> Jeremiah is not just faithful to go and stand in the court of the Lord's house. He is doing well. You ought to see that. <clears throat> in verse 16, says, Then said the princes and all the people unto the priests and to the prophets, this is the, uh, the civil court, <clears throat> this man is not worthy to die, for he has spoken to us in the name of the Lord our God. And I believe it's, uh, I, I, I believe the sense of it is this they recognize he's on fire. And he isn't really a prophet. And they're like, we're not going to put him to death. <laughs> Part of that is because he's, he's bold. He's bold. Now, <clears throat> so, why? That's, that's my point here. The key to spiritual courage is the dethronement of self-love. If you if you if you forget, if if there's only one thing you remember about my message, please remember that the key to spiritual courage is, is the dethron- the dethronement of self love. Verse fourteen. As for me, behold, I am in your hand. Do with me as seemeth good and meet unto you. Let me develop this a little bit to you. So, the prof- prophets who really want his blood, and the, prince, uh, the, the priests are there, and and, and the, they're they're but before the civil court, and they brought him. And Jeremiah speaks up, and he and he says in verse twelve what he says, in verse thirteen, and then he he points his finger to the elephant room in the room. The elephant in the room is what they're going to do, Jeremiah. Ask for me. I do not care what you do with me because I do not love myself. I'm not being foolish and putting myself in danger. I just don't care what you do. Do with me, I seemeth good and meat to you. I don't love myself unto death. I love my Savior, and I would rather give my life for Him than to forsake Him. You see that? Really important. I'm gonna. I want to elaborate that just a little bit more. Okay. We see this in a couple other places in the Scriptures. The dethronement self-love revelation 12 Here, here's a sniper shot verse from Revelation 12 verse 11 and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony and they loved not their lives unto the death <clears throat> so all of you have a throne in your heart and, and if you're like me there's a constant struggle you know, am, am I going to love myself and my idols and my reputation and my own glory, or am I going to act in such a way that's consistent with the fact that I actually love Jesus and I actually love God? What impulse is ruling you right now? Here's another. I love Paul, one of my kids. I named one of my sons Paul after the apostle. Because Paul was a, a sinner, like you and me. And Jesus is perfect. And, and Jesus is, is whom we love, of course, that's my whole point. But I just I, I just I find a lot of edification thinking about the apostle Paul, Acts 20. He's just been warned that bonds and afflictions await him in Jerusalem. He's, he's even been encouraged not to go he says in verse 24 of acts 20 but none of these things move me neither count I my life dear unto myself I do not count my life dear unto myself I'm not encouraging you to be unwise and frivolous and silly put yourself unnecessarily I mean Jesus even uh, um, you know walked away from and escaped as it were from from those who wanted to kill him I'm not saying you you know I don't think that's our problem now. It's not my problem. Okay, We need to be a little bit more risky, I think, as a Christians, generally, anyways. <clears throat> He's not being unwise. He doesn't count his life dear unto himself. He's showing you his heart. He's opening his heart to you. I love, I love Christ. Self-love is off its throne. So, <clears throat> a couple of things. Um, how do you get there? I mean, I want someone to, like, give me a shot I mean, just let's just get mechanical here, and you know, <clears throat> just give me a shot of love for Jesus. Can I just? I just generally want to be in love with Jesus. I don't want actually to be in love with myself. How do I get there? <clears throat> There's a couple of things. The first thing is to understand the cross of Christ. That's the first thing. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. I deserve an eternal hell. And I'm not going there because Jesus died for me. Of course I'm going to give him my life. I love this man. He took upon my flesh and he underwent all the miseries of this life for me. He was, as God and man in two distinct natures in one person, he was tempted. He saw harlots in Jerusalem. And he didn't lust for them. He went through all these difficulties. Why? Because he loved you. And he died for you, brother. So you're asking to yourself, yeah, I, I, I I want this key to spiritual courage. And that's what you go to. You meditate upon it. And you believe it. Here you are faced with a difficulty. You know, is doing this duty that I know is right, worth losing my job? Yes! It's worth it. Worth it. <clears throat> Because Jesus died for me. That's the foundation of this of this point. But I want to give you a couple other things. First, or, or, or secondly, I want to encourage you, because... Because you're like me, and, and you're you're growing in this, this this, um, love, and you're not. Maybe you're not currently in the trenches. Okay, you want to prepare for that date that's on your your calendar, so that that you act accordingly with your heart, and that your heart's pure, and that you love Christ. Mortify. Um. Uh. Mortify yourself in, in small ways within different things. Okay, if you want to, just a simple way of saying it is just deny yourself. So, so take take this for example: coffee, <laughs> um, music, recreation, hobbies, college football. Um, these are all indifferent things. Please understand, I'm I'm not condemning any of those things. And deny, deny it for a season so you might give yourself to the kingdom of God. What are you doing? You're, you're, you're not loving yourself. Now, friends, it's not a sin to, to watch sports on your TV. It's not a sin to drink some coffee. I'm just getting you to think. You're preparing for that time where Christ is going to have you deny yourself you need to get ready for that. I'm speaking to you very experimentally and practically. When's the last time you've done something like that? How do you expect that you're gonna be on your, on your big day, as it were, <clears throat> that you're going to be in a place where self is off its throne, if you, if you don't practice taking self off now? Listen, it's very de- denying of yourself to go door to door this afternoon. And you may want to go back to your house and read, you know, R.C. Sproul's, you know, book on apologetics or something. I don't, you know, that's just random, by the way. But you know, a book you're reading, okay? Um, and that's good. I don't want to discourage you from that. But maybe God would have you do do this instead, as your elders have suggested. This is something we do. I think it's once a month. What are you doing? You're denying yourself. Now, the key to spiritual courage, I have one more application and then a story, okay? This is really what I want to tell you. The key to spiritual courage is the throne of self-love. Now, in my life, um, there's an important verse. Maybe I'll just read it to you. It's from Psalm 19. And it speaks of something that's super important. Um, I'm sorry Psalm 16 verse 11 we have this statement in thy presence is fullness of joy okay again another, another kind of a sniper shot verse I realize that but it's helpful just to look at the phrase in thy presence is fullness of joy and and what I'm telling you is that if you're not already doing this then learn to love communion with God as an end in itself Paul is with another man I think it's Silas or Barnabas I can't remember and they're in jail they've been persecuted and they're singing hymns to God (laughs) what's going on there? they're delighting themselves in the Lord they're communing fullness of joy is not being popular kids men fullness of joy is not being successful in your line of work ladies fullness of joy is not having a home full of kids that love you and you're known as a mother in Israel fullness of joy is being in the presence of God and that starts now and you love it, and no one can take that from you. No one can take that from you. They can take your life. They can take your job. They can take your health. They can take your reputation. They can't take God from you. They can't take Christ from you. And so bring it on. Bring it on. Final story that captures my whole sermon. I want you to remember this story. It's a true story. I don't know all the details, but basically, 3rd <clears throat> century bishop. Here's a bishop. 3rd century, he's, he's a faithful bishop. And he's fighting against the Arians, these heretics. The Arians had the support of the, of the emperor. And he was oppressed. He was not allowing the magistrate into the church like they wanted. He was not preaching the Arian gospel. It was going on for a while, and they brought him to the emperor, this bishop. And, and this man, this emperor, rebuked the bishop. He said, do you, do you not realize that I can take all of your goods, I can banish you from your country, and I will burn you on the, you know, I will kill you. And this bishop just looked at this emperor, and he said, the clothes that I have on and these books is all that I have. I don't care about this world. You can take them. And if you banish me to another country, Christ my king is, he's the king there too. It doesn't matter. And if you kill me, Christ will raise my body again. He just, he just loses, he just doesn't care, does he? That's, that's, that's what we wanna do. He just doesn't care. All he, all he wants is God to be glorified because he doesn't love himself unto death. So, brethren, please consider these words and consider where God in his providence is calling you to exercise spiritual courage. Know that what you're doing, know that your course of action is the right God-approved way and love God and whatever, comes, whatever you lose along the way doesn't matter. That's the key. May God bless you with this message. I hope that you become very courageous people for the Lord. Let us stand and ask God to, to bless us.